Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Swift, the Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with four additional acoustic songs. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. Welcome to the podcast maneuver, the officially unofficial podcast for Star Trek Picard on Paramount Plus. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about season two, episode four, titled Watcher. Uh, Aaron, we finally figure out who the Watcher is. Kinda? Kinda. I don't know. This is this is a Laris. A Laris? What does that even mean? A non-Romulan Laris. Right? This is like uh, this is some... so many questions twisted yeah maybe it'll be sexy laris maybe this will be like like the the shit i can't think of the term for it mirror universe mirror universe yeah i don't know picard's like you know i never found you attractive with those pointy ears but you're around those i don't know why he's sean connery (laughs) but uh, suddenly but you got those rounded ears and uh can't resist laris uh that was shocking to me and not and like i and i'm i'm uh kind of wondering how they're gonna make that pay off because it doesn't make any fucking sense yeah no i agree um yeah there's a lot of stuff where they're as i'm watching this I, i felt this way um recently about about the walking dead episode where I feel like they're retroactively making everything make sense, like tenuously. Like mm. I'll have a question of like, what the fuck? Why is this? Why does this work? Why? Why? Why does now this thing happen when before this thing happened? And the mm. very next scene will be like a two, two to five words that are like explaining that. And I'm like, okay, I'm I'm begrudgingly saying, okay, fine. Yeah, I guess it's you at least fair, considered but it feels right. Yeah. All right, you didn't just fuck up. You considered it, and you have a reason for it, even if it's maybe not the best reason for it. Right, right, right. Uh, it's like when someone is at a get at a win in a bar bet by saying, "Hey, uh, I bet you fifty dollars I can touch my tongue and my nose, or my 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 tongue and my elbow, or my nose and my nose, something like that." And yeah. then they just touch both of them at the same time. It's like, well, that's not yeah. It's not what I thought was going to happen, but I guess it satisfies the condition of the bet. Here's your 50. <laughs> exactly. You feel, you feel taken advantage of. Yeah. You do sometimes. Uh, and I'm not I'm not saying like this series is bad because of that. It's just it, I'm, I'm struggling to find my feet in this show, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. How, how do you feel about it's it? It's also... Yeah, I feel largely the same way. There's a lot of this is new Trek, so there is some pointless action. In this case, it was a completely bloodless and unexciting, almost all episode spanning car chase. Yeah. That had no cars chasing and were like kind of no stakes because you knew you knew Agnes was going to transport them out at the last minute. Uh-huh. Um and a lot there's also some nice fan service i thought it was pretty cute that they brought back 
not just the the thrash metal or the the punk rock gag on the bus, but they actually got the same fucking guy. Oh, was it? Okay. You know? Oh, yeah. He's like Holy 50 years shit. old and, and 250 pounds heavier, and he's still uh. rocking out to the same kind of like, I don't know. It's a, I don't think it's a real, but it's kind of like, you know, essentially ministry or, or some, some punk band. Sure. And, but this time he's learned his lesson <laughs> when when people in vaguely not period clothing tell you to turn off your goddamn noise, you're going to you're going to turn it off because your neck nice. might hurt if you don't. Yeah, oh, that's uh, good. Yeah, I thought that was funny. But like, honestly, the most interesting things in the whole fucking episode happened in the, like the last few minutes. Q's right? snap not working mm-hmm. and Laris being the watcher. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's like one of those things where I feel like it's, I'm on market incomplete because okay. uh, there's a lot of the episode that kind of felt like it was just kind of padding out time. And then they finally got to what seems to be the middle. We finally, I think, now got into the middle of the action of what they want to actually get down and, and talk about. So mm-hmm. uh, it's another Leah Thompson directed episode. So uh, the last one She's was a lot well. of. We got a lot of feedback on that. Of course, I, I didn't think it was I, I I don't really on some of these shows that are, I feel like the more silly shows like walk. I don't really pay attention to who's directing and who's making it and all that stuff. But mm-hmm. as many people pointed out, this is, of course, Marty McFly's mom for Back to the Future. Yep. Which is kind of cute. Um, having her helm a time travel heavy plot, you know? Yeah, they're doing a few things like that. There's a reference at the very end in that cue scene um, that we'll talk about when we get there. That's like a. Uh, a time travel esque thing, um, and a, a shout out to Sliders. Well, yeah, we'll talk about it, but yeah, they they seem to like doing that, making these references that are relevant to the story. Uh, I think that's about all I have to say about the episode without getting into the recap. But maybe we should do that now. Yeah, let's roll to the recap. All right, but first, let's take a quick break. Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch new episodes of Grey's Anatomy Thursdays at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. All right, we start off with Picard being unable to contact anyone. Um, and and that continues. They, they break the scene up weird. I don't know why we don't just like start with Seven and Rafi tracking Rios to the I hospital. Because there's no information in this like first scene. I You could barely even call it a scene. Yeah. It's um, needlessly dynamic. You're just going around all these points of view yeah. when you could have spent 30 seconds longer with all of them and, you know, not have nearly as many cuts. Well, and they come right back to this POV here. That's what I'm saying. In 30 seconds. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. Seven and Rafi track Rios to the hospital, but find out that he's been arrested and will probably be deported very soon. Yeah. I thought it was interesting that they not only grabbed everybody, but they clearly tossed and trashed this clinic. You know, there's like files oh, everywhere yeah. and stuff that's been smashed and there's been real, real, a- real assholes about it. I'm honestly surprised that they weren't more assholes throughout the, the show. Like, I, I felt like the show maybe pulled its punch a little bit on that. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I think I, I don't know that I want Star Trek to go too fucking dark, right? I don't, I don't need Rios 
suffering under fucking torture conditions. Him getting tased is probably enough, but these guys seem like simultaneously attitudes. Yeah. 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 They seem simultaneously like, like too willing to engage with these scum of the earth as they probably view them. Right. Yeah, and it's kind of like where like they're racist, but like soft racist. Like their worst bigoted right. thing they said is called them Juan. When like we're not even a calendar year away from those kind of horrific images of border right. patrol running people down with horses and you know ra- ra- rounding up like cattle. Uh huh. Um. So yeah, I I kind of agreed, especially in a show that like likes to be dark and edgy and have their admiral say fuck. <laughs> uh, right. It's there was um. It, it, you know kind of like well we want ice to be the bad guys because that's the parable but like also not too bad right i don't know maybe they just don't I, want to demonize is, law enforcement officers and and i can't yeah, appreciate that and, as well so and, and maybe not like turn like as if you're you know I, I i feel like it's not very satisfying as a creative to just preach to the choir sure although god knows that happens a lot so maybe they're also pulling the punch because the thing the people that they want this to connect to they don't want to play these ice guys as like just complete fucking monsters because mm-hmm. then their social commentary just doesn't land on anybody um that that needs to hear it so maybe they're doing that too yeah who's star trek's audience at this point it's kind of Dude, gone more mainstream right definitely but the, the fact that like i've seen so many th- uh, pieces on like reddit and twitter of like people saying and this, I, I just cannot believe it because I, but people are saying like, I can't believe the Trek is so political nowadays. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot wow. of shows you can be like, I can't believe the, but like Star Trek, Star Trek that got banned in the South because I had a white man kissing a black woman. That like, was the explicit Star Trek purpose is, of Star Trek. Yeah. Do you know Gene Roddenberry? Did you watch the Knicks? But that's the thing. Apparently it's like not, so many no. people, but, so, but some, that's the thing is like so many people watch shit and like, the political commentary doesn't land because they broadly are in agreement with it, you know, like, uh, but then the one time something challenges you, then it's like, I don't understand why this is getting political because political is something that makes you think makes you get the frowny face and that little cognitive dissonance that like, well, this isn't what I think this is challenging me. So maybe that's what it is. Um, But yeah, I I guess that, because because clearly they don't give a shit about being brutal like the shit that they were doing to the borg like ripping their eye implants out and stuff last year was horrific and mm-hmm. they say fuck and all that but the most racist the race most racist ice officer is going to call you Juan and be inordinately excited about getting you a seat on the bus right yeah and they'll tase you they'll tase you they'll tase they'll, they'll tase you right in your b-hole i guess uh, that's pretty brutal yeah no it's not great uh but certainly worse has <laughs> happened for sure for sure uh anyway we go back i mean no separation of children or anything there's like none of that you know like you could really like do something to pulling apart families and things and seeing because you imagine rio seeing that shit right he's getting chesty about just kind of essentially like well you shouldn't be here and we're going to deport you but like my god yeah right uh so picard again has no luck contacting anyone uh so he cloaks the ship and takes gerardi to somewhere that she can warm up because it's getting cold i guess uh, and that place is Chateau Picard. And he then tells her about the place's history and remembers his time there as a boy with his mother. And then Gerardi and Picard chat for a bit and practice some numerology to to find out what else Gerardi has from the Borg Queen rattling around in her brain. And they figure out that they have three days to stop the future from changing irrevocably. Uh, so, okay, I want to go back. Okay, let's... 
first things first, mm-hmm. I kind of like them back explaining why the Frenchman Picard speaks with an English accent. Sure. Yeah, because the Picards have been in exile ever since their resistance efforts in World War Two. And it sounds like just recently went to reclaim the Chateau Picard facility in the 24th century. So you've got this mm-hmm. long, proud line of Frenchmen who nonetheless have uh, ridiculous English accents. I, I that's that's kind of I don't, I don't mind them explaining things like that. You know, no, that's cool. Uh, it, it, the questions I have are like. Picard describes sort of a lineage of Chateau Picard where it was, you know, in the hands of various caretakers over the years until the Picards returned and sort of took it back over, started living there again. What happened in this timeline that makes that not true? Why did it fall to ruin here? Um, Or did it Mm. did it do that in both timelines? And he's describing such a vast amount of time. I mean, it's hundreds of years, right? That's the thing is like, I don't buy that this place goes, I don't think this, this place just sits and rots for a couple of hundred years, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, Although Picard has memories of like a ruined Chateau mm -hmm. Picard, right? That's what I'm saying. I think, I think they did find it in ruins or it got ruined during, because there's this, they're still teasing this abduction of his mother, mm-hmm. him being angry enough about it. And he's, you see him throwing a brick through the, the stained glass windows, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So maybe it was just that atrium or whatever that was, was destroyed yeah. uh, in his timeline. But in this one, it's the whole damn chateau. What what do you think about this numerology business? <laughs> I think this is it only works because this is a fiction show. But yeah, um, uh-huh. I I didn't hate it. I, I think it's it's silly in the way that numerology is silly and ridiculous. But also, look, she does have information rattling around in there. Subconscious is a real yeah. thing. Yeah, it, it, it's it's less like looking at the universe handing you numbers and looking at your own brain handing you numbers. And I'm okay with that. I the only think problem I had is like Picard being, cause she says like, uh, you know, maybe it's like f- something happening 15 hours from now. He's like, Oh, that's pretty random. What date is it? The 12th? <laughs> oh, it must be April 5th. The odds right. of April. Like, okay. Oh, that's a theory. Uh, maybe uh-huh. anybody else would want to brainstorm a few others. Is this, we just know that this is going to be three days. Yeah. Why is the hours less valid than the days? But yeah, yeah. I also like Gerardi's crack about imagining Jean-Luc Picard running around the Chateau demanding milk, chocolate, hot. You know, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> that's pretty funny. God, I hope they do have. I gotta say that yeah, they, the Allison Pill and uh, Patrick Stewart have a pretty good chemistry. Yeah, I think so. I know. I know you're not a huge fan of her character, but I enjoy yeah. her. I'm I'm warming up to her, especially since uh, goddamn Raffi is like the opposite where it's like she, I never thought she had very good uh chemistry with JL and she is just loaded loaded full of snake leaf and and ready to wreak vengeance on the 20 20th 21st century here I don't know she's just really got a she's got a lot of weird energy animating her yeah I will say Picard needs to grab that bottle of 1915 Pinot Noir and tuck it into a pocket and take that back to the take 24th that century 20 20- Hell yeah. Fifth now, I don't know. Take that back? I wonder, like, in that scenario, does the flavor of the wine change when he goes forward in time to be like a mm. 600-year-old bottle of 500-year-old bottle of wine, or does it stay the same? And he would have the only good bottle 
1915 Pinot Noir in his possession. The only drinkable think, one. I think it's the latter, but the thing that's funny is like no one from the future will ever know. Like, you know, when they when they pot like if he sells it on the Federation Gray Market and someone's like, look at this 2015 Chateau Picard Pinot Noir pop. My God, it's as fresh as if they just bottled it seven years. Like they'll never know. They'll well, never know. He needs to scan it's it a into crime. a replicator and then everyone uh, can have it, right? Everyone in the Federation can have a bottle of 1915 Pinot Noir. Chateau of course, he's Picard. a replication uh, chauvinist. He's the one that like, I can't remember what season he mm. explains. He's replicating caviar. It's like, oh, they just can't quite, quite handle the subtleties of the beluga caviar and so maybe maybe so the Romulan brandy they can't replicate Romulan ale I think is uh-huh. the other thing that the trans the, the the what's that's like either got the molecular formula for it or not <laughs> right right like like is Pat, Patrick Stewart a homeopath kind of guy like you know I can taste the fact that these hydrogen atoms came from interstellar space rather than the gut of a fish like get the fuck out of here maybe there's a Romulan secret like a, a they have security patterns on their creations ah, that, yes. that are molecularly bonded and they're right. they can't be reproduced by replicators i don't know it's it, the, you have to reverse the formula and everything yeah yeah it's, it's rot 13 encrypted their molecular <laughs> <Sure>. formula <laughs> uh all right so then we go over to seven helping rafi sort through her emotions over elnor uh, on public transit la public transit to be precise uh, and this is the scene Older, you were talking uh, about with, yeah, that the punk listening to radio, the, the the aging punk rocker that's still in his uh, anarchy in the in the L.A. phase. Listen uh, to the tapes. Is he one of those guys who's back on tapes? Oh yeah, man. Like I got to be right. Within this next decade, there will be a movement of people to be like, actually, cassette tape is the superior form of audio or yeah. eight track or something like that. It's it's going to happen. And that might be true. Um, that might be true, except for the rewind feature. I feel like the the rewind and fast forward capabilities of digital audio mm. just trump any kind of sound quality you could possibly ever have. Records, agreed. throw them away because you can't rewind and fast forward as easily. Although they're, yep. they're not bad at that, but man, finding that track on a record. That's the thing. It's like, I don't think, I don't, I I like albums. I've, I've come to like albums in the last four or five years. Um, yeah, but I would never argue that they sound better than a CD or a digital audio. It's just they sound different in a way that I like. Kind of like a, mm-hmm. a a guitar, an electric guitar with the, the right amount of distortion. It's not the way a guitar should sound, but I like <laughs> it. Like there is some sure, kind of sure. warmth, brightness to a, an album that that you, I, I don't think you get. Yeah, it's an analog know, reproduction. It's just yeah, yeah. I get it. Um, yeah. But uh, Seven holds her hand. There's some uh, movement on the Seven and Rafi romance here. Oh, I didn't even notice that. All right. Yeah. Yeah. She's yeah. she's fretting about uh, losing Elnor and she's feeling a certain way about it. And, and Seven's trying to, to support her through it. So I'm uh, I'm shipping it. I don't particularly sure. like Rafi, but I think they're cute together. And maybe that'll call. Maybe the date and Seven will calm her the fuck out. Is she still going to like Seven when they go back and she's got the board implants again? That's the question. Mm, mm, yeah, yeah. They're getting that, stares that, everywhere. That silver eyebrow. I just can't hang. I just can't hang with it. I'm sorry. I've tried. I've tried. <laughs> I mean, it's probably more the stares that they would get. Or actually, as a lesbian, I'd be more concerned with all the intricate metal shit that's going on at Seven's fingers. I think Ooh. that would be a problem. 
Yeah. Honestly, as anybody, that'd be, be, be buried about that. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't know. I, I wouldn't. I'm not sure if I want the carbon nanotubes running over my sensitive areas either. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Like a like a hang, hang nail made out of titanium. It's just <laughs> that catches. Oh. Like a it's like a vegetable peeler. Just just. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, yep. Uh, all right. Picard decides he needs to find the Watcher himself, and Gerardi needs to boost communications to get them all home. So Gerardi beams Picard out, and then the Borg Queen just immediately starts with her shit, right? Trying to manipulate Gerardi, talking mad shit. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Which I, it would be off-putting, except for this is the Borg Queen's character. This is her mo. She tries to mentally fuck with people. Oh, yeah. She'll try to seduce you. She'll try to berate you. She'll whatever she thinks you'll respond to she's going to try try to, to to fuck with it that way so yeah what is her end game here is my question um does she, she want to assimilate to humanity or does she want to is there some kind of compromise here where she doesn't need to assimilate humanity if she can at least get back to a time and a universe where not all of the borg are wiped out i See, because I, I don't. This isn't our universe's Borg Queen. Number one, number two. Yeah. I think she definitely. I, I yes, she wants to assimilate humanity. I think she wants to assimilate everything. But she sure, wants, sure. I think, to start with Gerard uh, Agnes. Yeah, and they they also call back this addictive quality that assimilation has. That she's like, I know you felt the thing, the assimilation, the cooperation, the connection. Oh, and you can see by Agnes's face that. She's a little bit haunted. She has had that taste mm-hmm. of of heroin, and uh, she liked it. So yeah. it's going to be. It seems like it's going to be a personal test for Agnes. You know, like uh, can she can she maintain true? Can she overcome addiction? Can she do? Mm-hmm. It's her personal demon this late of the season. Yeah, I feel like the Borg Queen is maybe overselling the number of words that the Borg have for it when she lists, she just rattles off three and that's just the tip of the iceberg that we have for yeah. assimilation connection as well. Uh, it's not quite the 73 names the Inuit have for snow or whatever. I mean, if you take into account all of the languages of humanity, it almost certainly is like how many fucking yeah. languages. I guess they have all the languages of all the races they've assimilated right. species. They've yeah, assimilated, they got like so. 10,000 species that they could, could right. they could come up with. They Fair. could pull from. Yeah, their dictionary is very large, very large. Um, I did you think it was interesting? It's kind of impetuous for Picard to be like, "Well, I've lost contact with the team for five minutes. Uh, let's let, let first of all, I the transporter has another charge left that can beam Apparently. from France to LA or completely around the world. So, like, that's that's something. Another thing is this: he's like. Yeah, Grandpa's gonna go hit the town because the kids have been out of contact for five minutes. Cy- cyborg technology man. I, I, I we talked about and this. I'll, We're not sure if he's a robot in in name uh, only or if he's a meat yeah. robot. But like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're leaving behind the most vulnerable person with one of the most powerful mm-hmm. things in the universe. Uh, yeah, it seemed, it seemed rash to me. It seems like something For that sure. Picard would would think a minute or two on, but uh, it's 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 action track now. So yep, gotta get out there. Um, yeah, so he's beamed to ten forward where he finds a young Guinan who doesn't seem to know him, and Picard reveals he knows that she is an alien, and she pulls a shotgun on him. Uh, I'm surprised to see Guinan here, uh, young Guinan, not with the hat. 
She's she's forsaken the hat in her youthfulness. 2024 is not ready for that hat. It's not ready for the saucer to separate. I feel like LA is the one place you could get away with that hat. LA, New York, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you could. You totally could. I, I, I'll put it all. I am not inordinately impressed with this actor's Whoopi Goldberg impersonation or Guinan impersonation. Sure. Because, like, I, we, we talked about, um, like, Yellow Jackets, how kind of impressed we yeah. were with the younger actors ability to ape these older actors and it's probably a duet it's probably them both kind of working on the character together and mm-hmm. and, and and the direction and all that kind of stuff i think guinan has a pretty distinctive cadence even apart from just whoopi goldberg it's recognizably whoopi yeah. but she's got like a particular kind of inflection and tones and it's just like ultra calm rooted and i didn't think I was expecting I was expecting a, a, a much more solid kind of impersonation or, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like like what um, uh, Ewan McGregor did with Obi-Wan, where it's yeah. like it's his own thing. But you definitely can see the Alec Guinness in the performance. And I was a little disappointed that, number one, I thought they just digitally de-aged Guinan because they just showed they can do it with John Delancey. <laughs> right. Um, but then it's like, okay, they're going to recap. That makes a lot of sense, especially these Lurians. They can take kind of whatever form they want. They can age. Because the other thing is we've seen Guinan on Earth back in the 19th century piled around, you know, Samuel Clemens, Mark Twain. And mm-hmm. she looked like Whoopi Goldberg. Right. So can an Alarian control what time they age and like go back and go forward and get younger and older? Or I, I, I don't know. But I, 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 I wish I wish she was a little bit more Guinan-y. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I don't dislike her. I just think, yeah, they they probably could have had her do more of a guy in an impression. Um, and, and it's in stark contrast to, you know, the guy who's not doing the impression but snapped right back into the role, Q. I mean, he's just fucking Q, right? Literally, like, yeah. Snap back into it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it's it's all right, though. Uh, we find out the 10 forward is, is about to close down permanently. Um, and later we find out that's because Guinan's leaving the planet. Fuck humanity. Is it dumb? Because I don't understand why Guinan's at 10 forward. Like 10... The, the, the 10 forward is a physical location on yeah, the Enterprise. Um, it's right. deck 10 at the very forwardest part of the ship. It's Which like made right sense on the rim. in 20, 24, 2399, whenever the hell they are, right? Yeah, uh, the Guinan's like is, is a personal amusement. She's settling yeah. Earth. Oh, there's a street called 10 Avenue. And there's an address 10, 10 forward. Yep. This makes no fucking sense in the 21st century to me. Yeah, there's there's some connection, right, though, that Guinan has throughout time. It's yeah. it's it's a forwards and backwards sort of all time as one. Like she can see thing. how it kind of rhymes or, yeah. you know, the patterns. Yeah, I guess. And that time yeah. sickness plays into that that she gets later. Um it, it's the only yeah. excuse for why this might work, but yeah, it's she, it, she, but I, the, I, the I fact that she it. doesn't immediately recognize Picard is also weird, though, right? Yeah, or, or not like maybe she doesn't Tim recognize Ford, him, but, not Picard but like the fact that she pulls a shoddy on him is about to blow yeah. his head off. Like she, like I think she could. There should have been some energy pass. Like you're an old man and you're here, and I'm closing, and this is annoying. But there's something about you. Yeah. What is it about you? Especially when he drops the the fact that she's an alien. Um. It, like I said, there's something a little bit off. I think all around this characterization and. Yeah, you can either have your tin forward or not. No Picard. You can't have them both. Can't kind of do them both. Yeah. yeah. I'm with you. Okay, we go back to Rafi and Seven, who go to the police station to ask about Rios. Uh, 
they hit a dead end there, but somebody overhears him and says, hey, you actually need to go to the ICE office and uh, warns them they're on a time limit before he's gone forever, which is he gone forever? They have tra- they have teleportation and a way to track him without sure. his communicator. He's not gone forever. There, This is a false no. timer. This is a false sense of urgency, in my opinion. Like, yeah, they take yeah. him over the border. They put him in Mexico. Like, the cartels aren't going to immediately chop off his head or some shit, sure. right? That's not how this goes. Yeah. But, like, the show wants but you to think they, if he goes to Mexico, he's gone forever. I feel like they just need to have Seven be like, look, we don't have to. I mean, if they get him out of country, we got, we have no time. You know, we, we're on a timeline. We don't have time to fuck around and try to find him. So, like, it's a little bit of a timeline. But, I, yeah. There's, but they can track him. It's not fucking around and finding him. They can track him. They can teleport him. They can do all of those true. things. It's from halfway around the world, apparently. From yeah. wherever they are. Yeah. Like, who cares if they lose him over the border? They haven't lost him. That yeah. that felt like the most false thing in this episode to me. Uh but whatever I did like, um, you know, how he's t- talking to or they're, they're talking to the, the police officer here and she's like laughing at his last name, Crystal Ball, because that's what I mm-hmm. think every time I hear Crystal Ball, I think Crystal mm-hmm. Ball. So I'm glad the writers do, too. Is that a celebrity name? Yeah, <laughs> there's a stage, stage name? name. I could see that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, we find him in detention and he is one of the. Uh, he's trying to protect one of the detainees who's refusing to sign his deportation papers and uh, gets himself tased and then the doctor finds him I wish we had time and I don't know why we don't because we had spent so much time in the stupid car chase but I wish we had time for Rios to talk to some of these detainees and find out like what is their deal yeah their stories you know it's like they're legal they're here illegally fine but like why are they there you know, right. uh, why are they being deported? What does that mean? What does it mean? Like, are they, can they be forced to sign the paperwork? Um, what is this proper legal channel? Are these guys circumventing it? Like, it's just, I, I'm sympathetic to all this and the show's telling me that it's all bad, but like, I felt like I had to put yeah. a lot of real world knowledge of what's going on to bear rather than, and if, if you're, if your goal is to not preach to the choir, this is the opportunity where you can like exactly humanize these immigrants and like, why are they there and and what are they how they feel about the country and and what kind of dangers are they going back to and like i've haven't seen my wife and child since blah 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 and i mm-hmm. I, I felt like there's a lot of missed opportunities to do something more than just surface like just have rio pledge the fucking allegiance huh huh fucking bullshit like there is like yeah. that's not the, the American flags in the ICE detention facility is not the orwellian thing about it right no you know, no the, the I mean- overt patriotism it's you're absolutely right. Like, talk about, you know, not wanting to just preach the choir. I mean, that's all this is. That's all this can be because they don't take time to flesh it out, right? If you don't immediately see ice and conjure images in your own head of, like, yeah. the dehumanizing treatment of, of uh, people who are trying to come into this country, then you aren't going to have those feelings in these scenes, right? You're just going to see a guy no. who tries to step up to authority and gets tased and yeah. that's right in your eyes. So like, and yeah, you have to fill to. this. You have to say, you have to explain what you're trying to say here uh, yeah. to the people who may not automatically be on the same page with you. So yeah, you're right about that. It's because if you're this conservative, you're watching Star Trek and you're thinking, well, he's already here illegally, which is sketchy. And any country has a right to enforce their own border integrity. And also fucking mm-hmm. maybe they're deporting him because he committed a crime. Right. He came in the, the police like, 
it's bullshit that Rios got caught up in this sweep, but maybe like, so it's like, I, I think they needed to, I, I think if they're wanting to do this, they should connect the dots and do it. But yeah. he's also loaded on a bus with these people. So there's plenty of time to tell those stories. I'm just not entirely confident that they will, but we'll see. Yeah. I, I don't know. I feel like that's one thing that Star Trek would do, right? Like if you had a planet where there was some rebellion and dissidents and stuff, they would go and spend time with the rebellion and they'd humanize those people and oh, let yeah. you understand Riker what are the thrown. motivations of these people? Why are they why are they doing the seemingly terrible things they're doing? And right. this does not have time for that. Maybe because it's trying to do too much, or maybe because maybe. it's trying to shoehorn in a bunch of action, because those episodes usually didn't have a ton of action. They'd have a scene or two, which would oh, be over yeah, in less yeah. than a minute. And the rather 40 yeah. minutes of the show would be dedicated to getting to Talking. know them and fleshing out the arguments on both sides. Right. That's a good point. Cause like I, how many times in the old series and next generation, do we see like Kirk or Spock or Jordy or Riker get thrown into a cell with a rebel? Yeah. And totally, you know, the authorities to be talking about how, but then you, you find out the other side of the story and that there's, you know, uh, there's shades of gray here and mm-hmm. you're getting that, but it's all very surface. Like I said, him just taking umbrage of the fact that, uh, there's a pledge of allegiance on the wall. Well, it's implied. It's, it's, it's right? not even like surface level. It's just implied, you know, it's, yeah. it's not even there unless you know to look for it because you already agree with the things the writers aren't quite saying. So, right, right. Yeah. Uh, anyways, Guinan, we're back with uh, her Picard. She's lamenting the fate of humanity. This is another one of those things where they're trying to dig into some issues here, right? She's She's got a bunch of points about the, the problems that society has and how we're too busy to just hating each other and being angry and fighting to actually do anything decent with our worlds. Um, Picard says... You know, she's she's actually the problem, which triggers her time sickness and this temporal memory she's got. And Picard tells her that her time sickness won't go away until she helps him fix the timeline. <laughs> I think it's funny. Does he know that? Because she could be like, actually, no, this will go away with like two or three days and I'll be I'll have you out of my hair. Um, can we talk about the man who shows up, Uncle Dale with the dog? Because yeah. this dog looks exactly like number one. Is this going to be like an explanation for how Picard ends up with this giant dog? Maybe. Doesn't it? Am I the only one that got no, big they, number one vibes from this dog? I, I feel I like it's you're the exact right. Same I, breed. Yeah, I haven't seen him in a while. Do we see him at the beginning of this season? Yep. I thought yep, so. he's definitely there with their, with him and Loris is talking. Um, and I think number one is a boy and they identify uh, this dog as a girl. Oh, but okay. Yeah, maybe it's a, a great, great, great descendant of this dog. That's why I was wondering, like, if there or this is going to be the he's going to end up with a puppy that he takes back. It's mm-hmm. going to be number. I yeah, I, I I'm not exactly sure how this 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 works out, but uh, yeah, well, that, it'd be funny. The, number one got caught in the temporal displacement, and he got put back. You know, just like oh, they all did. He just got thrown back a little bit further. Sure, and got a sex change. <laughs> right. Uh, no, I was I was looking at Uncle Dale thinking, okay, this is a little weird. This has to be somebody important. And I I didn't really try and dig too much into it, but it could be ju- yeah. just a dog. But I like, you know, what the guy is saying here is that you've got these, this uh, planet beset by problems. The only one we got, no one seems care to care about fixing it. There's a few people with the power and the money that do, but all they're more, they're much more concerned with what they could lose rather than 
the things they could gain. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Again, it's a little bit breezy, but it's sure. better than what they're doing over on the Rio side. And I am this choir that it's preaching to, right? So sure. I, I get it. I, I agree broadly with everything she's laying down here, but like, what do I do with that in the show? Does the bait and switch bother you that the Borg Queen gives him coordinates to a watcher and it's Guinan and you're like, oh, well, that tracks. It's going to be the Guinan's going to be the watcher, but it turns out Guinan's not the watcher. Hmm. A little bit. Yeah. Does the Borg Queen not know that? Does <laughs> the Borg Queen like hmm. a little bit like I'm going to give you a fucking fetch quest like it's you're a you're yeah. I'm an NPC in an RPG and you're I, I felt that was. Yeah, like the Borg. I, why would the Borg Queen say that instead of this? Like, well, this, this is the Watcher, but it's how you'll get to the Watcher. I, yeah. I don't know. I thought I thought that was weird. And there wasn't a lot of room for deception there either, right? Because Jurati pulled right. that information directly out of the Borg Queen's From head. Her brain. So yes, that's enough. Yes. Yeah, wasn't wasn't just a lie. Um, uh, there is a lie in this scene, though. There's absolutely a lie. Picard says he was told that they have three days to fix this timeline that's a straight up lie he guessed he just pulled the number three days out of the thin air of numerology well there's three coincidences in a row and this is the second idea we had that could explain it so (laughs) three days and you're the third person i've seen on this planet i i don't know (laughs) i think it's three days yeah yeah uh all right rafi decides she's gonna break into a police computer to find a rios and they do that um, and find the detention facility that he's in and they can now contact Jurati on the ship because I guess yep. you know She's they, they kind of wrecked on this I, I did it I got it uh, and she asked where Picard is um, so they steal the police vehicle to go after Rios Seven has some trouble navigating the LA streets and they tell Jurati hey we gotta we gotta get transporter up here so uh, get your get your shit together and she says she needs a day for it which is far less time than they have and the board queen volunteers to help her and Gerardi kind of considers it she's got to look at the end of this scene yeah um, this is batshit crazy right oh yeah Rafi is Just going right to deep end she's she jumped deep. full into the root leaf brain <laughs> whatever it's called Snakely, <laughs> she's over at yeah. Yoda's Yoda's house getting baked snakely bitter yeah. Better again. <laughs> I'd say did you walk out of the, you walk out of the police department with a lead and the very first thing you do is grab your phaser, which again, you were talking about how no one can do this. Right. And Ugh. you got the phaser out and you phaser a window. You start breaking into, you know, you're you're breaking into the police network and all. When like, are they man, gonna put their foot call down? Call an Uber, guys. Like I get it. You're you're mourning you're dead. I, dead I don't know what he is to you your dead friend son, yeah. sure uh, but you cannot be breaking every rule we're setting down here and us be cool with it and us just right. roll with those punches like just last episode they in they they emphasized how you do not want to get into the hands of the authorities you don't want to do this you don't want to do that and they're breaking every single rule yeah, and just because Rafi like, couple... is cannonballing forward, it's re- kind of ridiculous, right? And like Star Trek Four did that a little bit too, where like you know mm-hmm. Kirk is is selling his antique glasses for whatever, and McCoy's like, I thought we weren't supposed to do, or you know, I thought this might, and he's like, well, who's to say that this isn't? That they at least acknowledged the fact that they were doing it and kind of made it humorous. Whereas this mm-hmm. is just like, fuck it, I'm upset, yeah, and I am grieving, 
And that's all the justification I need to do crazy shit that's, that could risk our not not just getting Elnor back, but the whole fucking timeline for a galaxy full of people. Yeah, she's she's charlieing her way, wild carding her way through these situations. <laughs> yeah, and it's yeah. totally not cool. And I don't know why Seven has not called her harder on this. Mm, seven's uh, in love. Yeah. Can't Damn check it. the can't check the raf the raf monster. Her judgment's all clouded too. Get the mm-hmm. get these people in the brig where they belong. <laughs> these people she's are compromised. She's just implants back in her regulating. She's just, she's got un, she's got full unfettered humanity oh, coursing through shit. her veins. She doesn't know what to do. It's a hell of a drug. <laughs> yeah, she was she was borgified before she hit pu- pu- uh, puberty, uh-huh. right? I think so. This so. is like just she's, she's a goddamn teenager. Yeah. Uh, I found it funny that, you know, they take into account LA traffic. They say they're an hour or Gerardi. Uh, Rafi looks at the thing like an hour away. It's only 25 miles. But can you imagine being 24th century person that's used to beaming around the world and seeing that like, oh, it's 20 miles away. Oh, we're going to be there in five fucking minutes if we're not there instantaneously. And it's an hour and a half. (laughs) Right. Right. It's like fucking mind blowing. The bus was faster. Yeah, I bet. I bet the bus was faster. Public transportation for the win. Uh, all right. Picard has explained to Guy in the predicament that he's in, but not who he is yet. And she's refusing to accept her role in all this. And she sees all the suffering, thinks it's pointless. Picard asks her to stay and help him change the future. They, they kind of go back and forth on this stuff for a while in this episode. And... And I, th- this scene, I actually think, is starting to approach pretty good Trek quality. Like, you know, Picard is being the old dude mm-hmm. that doesn't understand the concept, whereas Guinan has been a, a living as a, a apparently a black woman in 21st century America. And it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, it seems like it's always the guys that look like you that are preaching that just you have wait. to have patience, you, you have faith, you just wait, you yeah. can't to, to be too hasty, you can't move forward too fast, you can't. You know, and I, I like I like that point because like Picard mm-hmm. usually is the moral champion and like having somebody rein him in and be like, you know, you don't really know what the fuck you're talking about 100 percent of the time, especially sure. in this timeline, in this context. I thought that was pretty effective. Yeah. Uh, then we go back to Rios in detention uh, and he and the doctor are chatting. She gets released from holding. And Rios tells the ICE officer the total truth about who he is, which, of course, sounds insane. So he's not yeah. believed. Yeah. Uh, which is almost like I felt like it's taking there, there's also some shots they are taking at their own storytelling where Rios is like, and I'm with this old captain guy who might be a robot or he might be an old mm. dude. I honestly, I'm not even sure. Yeah. Um, no one will, No one can explain it to me. Right. Yeah, yeah, I I, th- I thought that was pretty funny and appropriate. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was just a couple of quick scenes here where Seven and Rafi continue driving through L.A. Nothing much happens. They're just still getting chased. We're checking with them. Uh, but re- do you understand what I mean? Like this might have been well been rear projected in terms of like they're just literally there's not they're not bothered. They're like you know Seven looks yeah. stressed and stuff, but like there's not any cool car action happening. There's not. Nope. It's just it's so low tension for an action scene, which yeah. makes me think they should have just dispensed with it. I would have much rather spend another five minutes talk. I'd much rather have a five minute scene of Rios talking to one of the fellow, his fellow detainees, um, which would have been a lot more better use of the time than having even talked to the fucking doctor. Cause she wasn't able to do anything for him and, and or more of uh, Picard and Guinan because yeah, this just chase scene is just filling time. Yeah. 
Uh, you know what I would have liked? I would have liked a speed-esque sort of scene where they commandeer a bus instead of a police car. That could have been fun. With all the passengers yeah. on board, that would make it feel more immediate to me. Uh, yeah. And important if you had <laughs> yeah, passengers who were trying to get off this fucking crazy bus with this lunatic or, driving. You know, this would have been fun if they just leaned into the fact that they're commandeering a police vehicle and then Seven and Rafi kind of try to do like, you know, what is a what do you think the the authorities would be like? You know, they're just. Yeah. Get on the radio like they did with the the phone, uh, the cell phone pictures thing earlier. Right. Where she's trying to flirt yeah. her way out of the security guards. Yeah, clutches. yeah, like act like they're undercover cops or something like that. Uh-huh. The, like just, just try to play, but they're, you know, they're trying to be like some. They're trying to thread the needle between like what Federation cops are like and maybe what they think of as like the worst. And I, I think that would have been entertaining. But like, having the yeah. cops constantly chase them through L.A., but there's no real evidence of the chase beyond like, oh, I went down a wrong. Like once they, the 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 only exciting part is her going down a wrong, wrong way road. A wrong way, yeah. one way street. And then it got pretty just like, well, they're just driving. It's like, you know, Jack Bauer driving through L.A. traffic in 24. Just uneventful. Mm-hmm. Um, then Rios is loaded onto a bus. That's the whole scene there. Do you think we're going to get a fugitive? Are we going to we, we're going to get a fugitive scene? We're going to we're going to wreck this bus. I mean, they kind of have to. I don't know how over. else you get onto a bus because it. It's very clear that, like, Gerardi is not a very good transporter operator, right? Like, she can't transport you if you're moving. Mm. And I don't know if that's because, like, the quality of the transporters is not up to speed here, up to par, or if Gerardi is not up to par. But, yeah, you got to stop that bus somehow. Yeah. Get a garden Uh, hose, put some nails in it, I guess. Stoplight, yeah, or just wait till they they arrive at the prison and just beam. Because, like, they also give no fucks about eventually hiding like like in star trek 4 they had the like they're trying to break line of sight so that people couldn't see them beaming but like this they just don't care and this so yeah just they snatch did, him just just beam him up they did say without any butterflies so i guess like they're gonna try and do this without mm. but boy how do you do that i mean that is the impossible scenario they've set up that's true so. I, I guess like because agnes is not chief o'brien there's clearly right. some amount of skill to like getting a moving target and, you know, like uh, anything beyond. Just oh, like, yeah. You know, sh- so, yeah, I, I guess it makes sense that like to make it as as easy as possible. You want them to stop now that I'm thinking about it. Uh, th- there's a question about the butterflies that I have too. like, you know, they're, they're talking about the butterfly effect and the consequences of small changes rippling out in time, becoming big differences. Um is a lot of this stuff going to be butterflies? Like if if Picard, you know, beams out in front of a, a young child or Rios beams in in front of a young child or seven, I think is who mm-hmm. does actually mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. that doesn't really cause a butterfly. Right. I mean, that person, no. that person knows what they saw, but no one's going to believe them if they try to tell sure. like their their mom or dad. Hey, I saw a person teleport in. Uh who's going to take that seriously? Like maybe sure you did. I guess maybe. could change sure the life of that kid. Right. Like that kid sees it and grows up with that knowledge. And it's like, I'm going to work on teleporter technology. Yeah. But what does that even mean? Like there's no tech, there's no artifact. It's not like there's a transporter booth that she recovers. Right. She just there's literally nothing to study. saw a phenomenon. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 So I don't know how much the butterflies are getting out of hand here. I think they're mostly still contained. The real scary part is like, yeah, if you lose a piece of technology here, 
uh, which Rio still doesn't have his communicator, right? Like they're going to have to get that I, back. Yeah. Wasn't she that? holding it or did she give it back to him? Surely I they know. take that off him, right? Like, yeah, he's they detained. have to. Yeah, they have to. They'll have to get it back. So it's either in the doctor's office or, or somewhere in the ICE office. But seven yeah. is going to assault an ICE detention facility <laughs> to get a communicator back. I suppose. She took on a whole fucking room full of people with a gun last season and uh-huh. this season to begin. So, yeah, she's, it's in her wheelhouse. Yeah, we'll see. Um, so the Borg Queen instructs Gerardi on how to be a commanding presence and uh, also manipulates her. And Gerardi strikes up common ground over their shared loneliness. <laughs> I love that. Like the Borg Queen is like, you know, bragging about being what, what a boss bitch she is. And uh, she's like, oh, you should do this. You do that. And you understand that betrayal is an anagram for believe me. And Agnes is like, wait a second. And the Borg Queen like literally rolls her eyes like, oh, my God, I'm I'm being hyperbolic. I'm being funny. Like Agnes is just so fucking literal that even the Borg Queen is more playful and verbally dexterous than she is. Yeah, except. Yeah, but she's not. She's using the term butterflies to refer to a very specific concept that's poetic mm. that's i don't know yeah. they yeah they do weird things with gerardi that's one of them the brightest peacock is afraid to shine and then also mm. agnes like agnes trying to turn around in the queen like well you're the pathetic one actually because you're supposed to have an army behind you, you got nothing and mm-hmm. yeah i don't know the boar queen is the, her whole problems. The Borg queen has been like the Borg queen in first contact, except for she has no army. Yeah. She has no cards. She can't keep her brain from getting shit stolen from like, she acts like she is the Borg queen, but she has none of the advantages that the Borg queen typically enjoys. And it makes her seem mm-hmm. delusional. Yeah. In a little bit. Kind of a funny way. Yeah. Yeah. And it seems like they're going to lean into that here with Gerardi because boy, at the end of the episode, I guess she gets one over on her, huh? Mm. Um, anyway, Rafi discovers that Rios is on the move and Gerardi says that eh, the transporter is ready, but I need a little more time to, to beam you guys over to Rios. She asks Seven to stop the car. And when she does, she beams them kind of near Rios, I, I guess in front of him on their path, which is good. And they now have to hijack this bus that he's on. And Gerardi goes back on her promise to the Borg Queen to share campfire stories. This is what I was talking about with Gerardi. She kind of, she kind of plays the Borg Queen here. Because mm. the Borg Queen, what's she going to do? Oh, you'll be mad. Yeah. Right. You're going to contact the collective. They'll be here in 400 years. Ooh. Uh, yeah, and and hopefully, if all goes well, a different timeline to boot. Right. Um, it is funny how like Agnes is like, I need time. You got to stall, and like she's literally means like five seconds more. Yeah. Yeah, that was weird. Like, just stop, stop the car. Yeah. Um, Guinan is ready to leave. She's packing up her stuff in, I don't know, her Volkswagen bus or some shit. And then Picard begs her again to help him. And she insists, like, I'm not the watcher. And he's desperate, so he reveals who he is. And he's Captain John Luke Picard, which triggers Guinan to help him. And she reveals everything she knows about the watcher and takes him to the park to meet her. The uh, watcher uses a young girl as her conduit to speak to Picard and then dismisses Guinan. And then Picard uh, leaves her with the parting words not to give up on humanity, essentially. And then 
this girl has Picard power down his communicator and then a series of other human conduits lead him to the Watcher, who turns out to be Laris. Laris with conventional human ears and skin tone. I, I don't know why I didn't even look at that. I assumed she was a Romulan, but I guess she couldn't be on planet Earth, right? Yeah, maybe, she's maybe a people think she's a, a current cosplayer or just constant cosplayer. It's just so weird that, that it's it's got to be that the the Laris in the future is also a Watcher, right? Or maybe because like Romulans live a long time, but like I think that Romulans and Vulcans live like the mid two hundreds, maybe three hundred at like a very yeah. old. There's no way she's still kicking around looking like this in the time of Picard. So I'm I mean, no. obviously, this is a big mystery. You're supposed to be like, uh-huh. oh, 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 and that's exactly what I did. So congratulations, Kurtzman and, and et al. Um, yeah. I thought it's interesting because she mentioned that, like, these watchers are assigned to protect the destiny of certain figures. Yeah. Which implies that whatever went wrong, in the timeline is around a a single individual, a singular individual. It can't be Guinan. It can't be anybody that we know on the ship. Is it? Is it the Borg Queen? Is it possible that the Borg Queen is a watcher for Picard? No, because like who? <laughs> well, who comes through the rift or whatever and says like, "Hey, Picard, shit's fucked up." Wait, you but need the to Watcher's fix it. been there before they rifted over, so like I feel, uh-huh. or maybe not. I don't know. Maybe she's got these cross temporal awareness, but. I got the idea that she is there observing somebody that's on the planet that needs to be watched. And I don't, you know, obviously hmm. you know, this is some kind of fakey version of our history. So who the hell knows? Okay. Um, Maybe she's it's... there to watch Guinan. Yeah. It's like Spider-Man Could pointing be. at Spider-Man. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I feel like this, um, I, I don't know how big the wings on this butterfly are when he, he tells Guinan exactly who he is, right? Because, like, she will know him in the future. She prob- she kind of already does know what him. What triggered is the name. The name is what really sealed the deal. Like, uh-huh. I thought she would just kind of soul-gaze him or some shit like that. Yeah, I, I don't know. It was weird. Then Laris, out of nowhere, puts her hand on Jean-Luc Picard's shoulder and Doctor Who's him away. Like this shadowy phone booth appears around them, fills with smoke, and then just disappears. Just like half under a bridge in a park somewhere that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very curious to see what kind of cosmic power we're dealing with here, especially in light of the next scene, which I don't know if we're, we want to talk more about this Watcher stuff or we want to get right to that. Well, I mean, I want to talk about the communicator that Picard has real quick because he Ah, claims that he's totally stranded without this communicator, but I don't Uh know necessarily why that's the case. If you can track Rios with a tricorder, why couldn't you track and then beam Picard out with a tricorder? The only positronic brain that's on Earth. Right. I mean, why wouldn't you be able to detect that? 50 times easier than it is with Rios. Yeah. Why? Sure. Why couldn't you? Just beam him out like you like you beam anybody else out of any other situation who definitely does not have a Federation standard communicator. Yeah, I, I feel like they're playing too fast and loose with the rules here uh, because, yeah, I I don't know, man. Star Trek can do this sometimes and get away with it and just say like, oh, tachyons and positrons and whatever. Right. But like, I feel like they're setting up rules only to then nullify those rules in the next episode 
in some cases. Yeah, I agree. Like if, um, and then try to retcon it, explain it. It's it, it feels like wrong. obviously it'd be it'd be nice if they had a communicator because you probably be more precisely fix their location and you can stay in contact. And also, if you lose a communicator, that could have dire consequences for the future timeline contamination. Right. But yeah, I don't buy that any of these people can't be found by a ship scan. Like I've seen time and time again, right. you can isolate signatures. You can tell people's biometric markers. I mean, they've, they've, yeah. So I, I don't, I don't, I don't quite get it either. I'm willing to give them the communicator stuff. Like, okay, maybe we can't talk without the relays, but your ship can beam people off planet surfaces to orbit. No problem. Like, why are you having suddenly a problem with that? It, this feels like doing a Rubik's cube where the colors of the stickers are just constantly changing. Like, I think I've yeah. solved it and I've put it all on one side and I'm working on the other side and I look back at the other and suddenly it's changed. I don't, Yeah. I, I can't get my head around it. I don't know if it's because I'm stupid or because the show is just not doing a good job with explaining it. You're just a Rubik's Rube. <laughs> oh God. All right. <laughs> getting, getting Rubik's doll left, right and curb center. Uh, yeah. So like you said, in light of this final scene here where Q is talking some smack about what I what I can only see as like a random woman here reading a book uh, in a Not NASA just any facility. Book, Did you notice? Oh, I saw. I saw. And he tries to make his, his fiction real with a snap. However, the snap does not work. Yeah, this woman's reading a Dixon Hill mystery. And he's talking. He's. I think he's He's reading the narrator narration. He's like, you can't mm-hmm. do it. It's real. The fear that's choking you. Here's the truth. You can't do it. People are going to die. Your fear is the loudest voice in your head. Then he snaps his fingers and nothing happens. And he says, most unfortunate. Yeah. I have a feeling that this is connected to the watcher Cuban Picard up. Or is it just a sign hmm. of Q further and in, in, the further instability of Q? So what I'm wondering, like if the timeline. Yeah, is changing such that he's not got powers anymore. I, I don't know. Because I, I feel like the Watcher is one of those characters like Q, like the Traveler, where like they're in a different power level than humanity. Like mm-hmm. they're doing, they're Maybe. doing inscrutable, uh, indistinguishable from magic type technology. Um, and yeah. even Guinan is powerful enough that she can ward off Q. Like Q is not not intimidated by her. Mm-hmm. Um. So is it possible that Picard is the source of Q's power? And since he's been taken to some dead zone or something, he's no longer giving Q power. If if Picard is actually somehow intrinsically tied to Q in some way, like he's the watcher of Q. We know he's a a figure of cosmic importance, like literally. Uh Yeah. So it, it's not, not fair to play with that. Yeah, sure. Uh, There are a couple of other theories. Um, like Easter eggs, I guess, in here. Um, the facility that this woman walks out of is called the Jackson Roy Kirk Plaza, um, which is, you know, part of NASA in this universe. And this is a reference to an original series episode called The Changeling, where a 21st century scientist named Jackson Roy Kirk created a probe called Nomad that later did sort of a V'ger style thing where it's coming back to Earth and going to destroy the, the population. Um, it, it does so because like it destroys any population it perceives as less than perfect, uh, which spoiler alert, that's everyone and everything. Um, sure. And then that episode resolves by Kirk 
realizing that Nomad has made an error and pointing that out to it and it self-destructs it. So um, that's just kind of a callback to that episode. And then the author of this Dixon Hill novel is Tracy Torme, who actually worked as a writer and story editor on Star Trek The Next Generation. Also, though, was one of the creators of Sliders, which I thought was pretty cool. That's that's a nice little shout out. We saw a um, a documentary, Chaos on the Bridge. Mm-hmm. Isn't the uh, that guy one of the the, the dudes got? He's he's got a very eclectic style. Uh, I believe that could be, and yes, like, because like he, he worked he wear, on the first two seasons, and he's got like uh, long hair that's colored like cobalt blue, and he's kind yeah. of a milady type of guy. <laughs> I, I, that might be him. That might be him. But yeah, it is a nice little shout out, and I always appreciate the slider stuff because I like yeah. that show, and and we're definitely on that sliders uh, vibe here. We're on the sliding scale of sliders. Yep. Uh, so I guess Q's uh, in- now stuck in this timeline with the rest of them, huh? Could that be interesting? Guess so. Like, let's get oh, Q yeah. on board the... the oh, fuck, what's Rio's ship named? Um, The La Serena? Cyrena. Oh. Well, no, it's yeah. a star. I guess it's the Stargate, but yeah, I guess this would be the Cyrena again. Probably. Um, yeah, I guess. I mean, the thing is, is like uh, if Q has got his full powers, uh, it's, you know, it's game over. You can do whatever you want. But even a depowered... Right human Q is pretty handy to have around. Like he knows things about the universe. Oh yeah. That, uh, you know, can, can help a human crew solve problems. Like, wasn't mm-hmm. that the thing that it is a stellar core being ejected towards some outpost and Q's like, well, you just change the cosmos. You just change the gravitational oh, right. constant of the universe. When he's and working so in engineering and Jordy's <laughs> yeah, like, like well, we can't fucking <laughs> right. do that asshole. So what's another idea you got? But it's still, yeah, yeah, you'd rather have that vast well of experience and knowledge than, than not. Totally. And I bet he could tell you all about the watchers. Uh, right. That, that's gotta be the thing, right? Because Picard's gone to no man's land. We don't know where he is. Q's gotta the be the link to Picard, right? So the crew can try and get to him wherever he's at. Yeah. Plus I'd love to see what the Q, what Q thinks of the Borg queen. Cause the Borg queen thinks she's all that, but she's a, she's as much as an ant next to Q as anybody else. And oh, I think yeah. that would be a fun dynamic to have him like talking. Like, does she try to talk mad shit about the Q? What happens if she tries to assimilate Q? Huh? Right now? It yeah, might work. that's another because like Q work. is not exactly Q. No, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued by the possibilities they have yeah. with the characters they have. Um, totally. See what they do with we'll it. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, it'll be good. Do we have any other th- things to talk about as far as the episode? Because guess what? I got a dilithium crystal full, an isolinear chip full of feedback. All right. Yeah. Let's do that. We can get to. But first, uh, let's have a little, little, little break. All right, we're back. If you want to send us feedback, do so at Picard at BaldMove.com. Picard at BaldMove.com. First up is Craig T. Coach says, so far, so good for season two. On the whole, I've liked what's been produced for this new Star Trek revival, but I've never been so nervous about how each season is going to pan out. Uh, I agree the season one started well and faded, so let's hope we don't see that again. Yeah, I'm... Starting to think some fade is inevitable because we've already. I, I feel like we've already faded from the first two episodes, but um, I, I enjoyed I this one more than last flab. episode for sure. Yes, yes. I know, but honestly, if it hadn't been for the last five minutes, I'm not sure I'd say that. 
because the last five yeah, minutes maybe. were intriguing and interesting. And whereas everything that happened before the episode is kind of like, you know, either shortchanged or kind of review of stuff we already knew. Mm-hmm. Craig says, I too love the new uniforms and is hugely happy to see the variety of Starfleet ships on view this time. Although a defiant class or two would have been nice. I mean, that was the big criticism mm-hmm. of Riker's fleet that it was just control C control V of like the same model. Yeah. Um, which I still don't understand how the hell that happens. You don't have like just a library full of right. CGI Star Trek ships that you can just like port in there or you don't have a, a 3D designer that can't add and subtract some nacelles and, and stretch and, <laughs> yeah. you know, morph a couple of saucer sections and change the color deflector. Like, really, really on your flagship star? I don't know. Uh, the Borg Queen face covering is 100% a big reveal uh, or for a big reveal. And I'm almost certain that they are not doing anything aggressive. And I'm thinking that a big clue is that is them asking for Picard and not Locutus. I'm certainly hoping it wasn't to hide who is coming out of the anomaly, as that would be lazy writing, in my opinion. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. Like I, I think we talked about last week, the Rich Evans on Red Letter Media's idea is that this is Picard's mom, and that mm-hmm. makes a lot. Well, let me let me rephrase that. It doesn't make a lot of sense. But it also makes a lot of sense. You know what I mean? Like it's a it's a crazy <laughs> yeah. fucking idea, but it is a feminine voice who as and I don't even catch the fact that she says Picard not Locutus that implies a familiarity with Picard. Tells him to look um, up just the way his mom look, did. Yeah, I said it doesn't make a goddamn bit of sense in terms of what I know about Star Trek continuity or lore. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, one last thing uh, Rio cigar was never lit this is something I kind of harped on like how the hell do you get to do this in Starfleet regulations right I watched for it too as it would have been very odd even for a captain and also in the 21st century we've outlawed smoking indoors years ago um, yeah apparently it just wasn't he's just doing it for the look mm-hmm. he's just keeping it between uh, his, his, his cheek and gum there um, it's still a weird affectation yeah, boy, they. Hmm. Yeah, kind of like I, I mean, it's, it is. it's like Data with his pipe in a in a Sherlock Holmes, you know, uh, adventure. It's like, what are you doing? At least the pipe cool? has a substantial and then non saturatable mouthpiece. Like, it's like cigar, Will, it's like Will Smith. It's just for the look. Yeah, but the cigar gets he just bites gross. it, not lights it. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, I don't know if it's for the look and you're just kind of chewing an unlit stogie all day. It feels like I'd be nasty. But, but also, who cares? Replicate a new one every 15 minutes. That's true. What that's does it matter? Just, yeah, just just keep trimming. Just keep trimming a fresh end until you wear it down. Then, yeah, replicate yep. another one. If I could have it beamed into your hand, go crazy. <laughs> right. Uh, J Cube says, hey, guys, really enjoying your episode reviews. Dare I say more than the episodes themselves? It's been said. Mm. It's yeah. been said that occasionally our podcasts are better than the show, but uh, for once in a while, the shows are better than our podcast, so it's all, <laughs> it's all good. I do feel like this season's been an improvement over season one, but I did kind of hate the first season. Like Jim, I prefer my Star Trek to not be grim dark. I just hope the tone uh, was episode one pit stop. I'm hoping for a more quantum leap style of season rather than the bulk being set in the very near future. I'm one of those few oddballs that do not like a voyage home. I'm not sure if you're odd because I love it, but I don't know that it's regarded as the best Star Trek, right? Usually they say two or six. 
Undiscovered yeah. Country or Wrath of Khan. I think you know, Floor I, is a distant third at best. I was really surprised how much I liked One. We did a marathon of, of all the movies recently, and I mm-hmm. fucking liked One. I remember not liking it nearly as much when I was younger, but well, because I feel it like is, aged into it. It's a long cerebral episode of Star Trek. Yeah. But that's also kind of why it's cool. Right. As a, and it's as a little adult indulgent Star Trek. with its, its, yeah, shot, well, its cinematography, well, but, <laughs> but in the way that like Stanley Kubrick is, right? Yeah. How many shots of Sulu's jaw just in awe of how cool the Enterprise is are we going to get as we lovingly yeah. cruise over every surface? Yeah. How so. much jetpacking can I watch Spock do? <laughs> And then Kirk through or then, through, through how many orifices? Yep. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> Very orifice heavy Star Trek one. Very. Um, I'm not sure how come the why of what changed in 2024 is a mystery. Do they not have a version of Wikipedia? It's like you waking up one day with everyone speaking with a British accent and being explicitly told something happened to change the timeline in 1776. Probably be pretty easy to suss out what happened without having to travel back to 1776 first. Maybe it's just me, but the writing is not far off from the Walking Dead level. Okay, I want to take mm. exception to this, J Cubed, because like, yes, it would be, it would be obvious that something would happen if we're all talking in a British accent and it happened sometime in 1776. But what if it was we're speaking in Swahili and someone said it, it, the timeline went bad in 1898? I mean, that's what I I, I think we're, we're we're talking about here. It's like it's it's not an obvious change to the timeline that's happened. It's something subtle, something around Picard, but something also. That's the thing. It's like I thought this was about Picard, but now it's about someone the Watchers watching. Yeah, and he seems to be the only one who can change it, or at least the only one that the Borg Queen thinks can change it. I hope they've thought this through longer than like a long craft services lunch. I really do. Right. I really hope that this twist that they got is kind of awesome. It doesn't have to be great. It does have to be, it does have to survive more than five minutes of reflection. Yeah. Uh, J cube says, I can't imagine a watcher in LA is anyone other than Guinan. Collect your internet points because that prediction came true immediately. She's also able to sense fuckery at the timeline. She knew something was wrong with the change timeline from yesterday's Enterprise. All correct. Mm-hmm. Finally, as we've covered, uh, Red Letter Media as a joke said the future board queen is Picard's mother. Then examined that forward. Everything really seems to point towards that. Yeah. I'm worried because I can't. I mean, that's not a. It does point to it. I just can't see how it's literally true. Like if the board right. came to 23rd century France and stole Picard's mother away. How does that track with anything like it's, it's, it's and any other possibility, like a Romulan raiding party lands on earth and kidnaps her and then goes to the border of the alpha quadrant and gets picked up by an advanced Borg scout ship. Like, uh, like seven did like nothing really tracks. Like this is the fortress. S- center of the federate of, of the united federation of planets people mm-hmm. don't just waltz in and out of it you know yeah i feel like they're playing narrative chicken with us here like it, it, because this is I'm swerving this i'm swerving is, early i don't <laughs> want to hit this head on swerve this is conceivably impossible but so many puzzle box type of stories that i've enjoyed and loved 
have been conceivably impossible at the beginning. And I'm watching one right now, like Severance is one of those, where they set up some rules at the beginning of Severance that you're like, how how is this possible? What's happening here? I don't I don't fucking understand how any of this could be. And then the next episode, they'll come in and give you a perfectly reasonable explanation that's totally believable. And I'm like, oh, that was awesome. So they've done they've done the setup part of this, which is what the fuck? How can that be true? They need to knock it down in a satisfying way. And that's always the tricky part, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, this next email goes to the heart of some stuff I'm worried about which is from Jeff P and says the premise of this season of Picard is flawed. How soon do we forget that Picard did fall in love and have a whole ass family in the inner light where he had a son, daughter, even grandchildren. Though this end up being a prolonged simulation. Picard experienced the equivalent of 40 real time years in that simulation. Many times the amount of time he spent on the enterprise and he quotes live now, Maribor Nat make now the most precious time. Now will never come again. Who mourns for Mar- Maribor? Um, that is a great question. And I was trying to like defend the show because this is not just any episode of Star Trek. This is like the Emmy winning, everyone says kind of consensus. Maybe it might not be your favorite, but kind of best in terms of writing and and, and acting and 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 just, you know, it's it's one of the top five episodes of Star Trek. It's not something you can fucking mm-hmm. forget about. And I think if I even said that in the pilot episode that like, or the first episode of the season two, it's like, uh, I, I thought I said, I might've said a guiding light, like it's some kind of fucking soap opera, <laughs> but, but yeah, uh-huh. that was a real experience to Picard. And if you want to say like, well, it's just a sim, so it wasn't really. And, and, and I guess I can be sympathetic for that because Picard was living out someone else's life. It wasn't a life that he himself chose. And if, if Picard was actually in that simulation as himself, probably would not have made all those same choices. Um, Did he do that with the flute so, too? Wasn't that was, Oh yeah. That's where the whole flute affectation comes but from. But he still fucking plays the flute. Right? He still plays the flute. It's a very so, meaningful experience to him, but yeah. it's not like he, it'd be one of those things where, uh, what's that? That that book we read about the the time traveling where people have like two memories. Oh, recursion. Um, yeah, Blake Crouch. Recursion. So so like in at, at the end of each time loop, uh, everyone outside the time loop experiences uh, both the events that happened in their timeline and simultaneously at the exact same time, absorbing all the memories from the split timeline. Mm-hmm. So it's like one of those things where it's like you're not even sure. Like did did my wife die? Or did my wife continue living? Did I remarry? Did I not? And it's like this. I, I feel like the guy, the, the inner light was one of those situations where Picard's got these memories that are real and of him, but they're also not. And they're alien and they're foreign. So I think. Yeah, makes sense. I I think. I think that you can make an argument if you're Kurtzman et al that like, well, that wasn't a real, like, that wasn't Picard really risking something that wasn't Picard. And certainly by that time in his life, he's made a lot of these changes that have, that, 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 that Guinan and Q are kind of complaining about. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like that a, a smarter version of this would have Picard himself when Guinan and Q are like, you don't know what it's mean. It's like, I've lived a whole fucking lifetime. And they could be like, yeah, but that wasn't you. That right. wasn't Picard that chose that. That was this other guy. 
and you know or maybe even make that a spring point like that that's what caused the tension in in himself between you know Mm -hmm. like he was never conflicted about how he felt about the the choices he made until he lived the other path and thought that was a better and it's weird for for them almost to act like they're not aware of this history that picard has especially when they're doing that for other things that are far less uh, important, right? Like when Sharati says, Hey, I got the transporters up, I boosted communications, all that stuff. Like Mm -hmm. they're, they're going back and they're acknowledging the, you know, Mm -hmm. the path that was set before and they're not going to do that with Picard. uh, Maybe we just haven't got to it yet. Maybe it's just, but it feels like it should have come up with conversations with guys. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Like it'd yeah. be Jean-Luc Picard defending himself. Like I, it's right. not that I have, yeah, I've lived a whole other life and yeah. John H in your podcast, you're discussing if Cisco did an episode with dodgy morals. Please consider the episode in the pale moonlight. Uh, Cisco works with Garrick to fake a recording of a meeting where the dominion talks about invading Romulus and he wants to plant it so that Romulans join the war on the Federation side. In my opinion, it's one of the best episodes of the series and the best performance by Avery Book Brooks. Do you remember? You just watched this within the last five years. Do you remember that episode where him, where him and uh, Elam Garrick worked together to engineer this like trumped up cause to bring the Romulans in the war? And Elam goes way too far with it, ends up getting a bunch of people killed. I think a starship exploded, and and Captain Cisco uh, or Commander Cisco confronts him about it and Garrick's like well what are you going to do you going to blow the lid off kind of like uh, Ozymandias right. with yeah. Dr. Manhattan's like well yeah we've killed a lot of people and wasted a lot of lives but it got the result of the Romulans coming in for the Alpha Quadrant yeah. and Dominion War do you want do you want to tell the truth and and blow the lid off of it and waste all those sacrifices or do you want yeah. to I don't remember that and, episode <laughs> So I do. I don't like. Uh, I, I definitely. As soon as he started talking about it, like, now it's it's not as cut and dry as like Cisco just went in with his eyes wide open to doing all this stuff. Like it went, it kind of got right. away from him. It's more of like, well, sacrificing these few, it's already done to get a bit. It's but it is. Yeah, I mean, definitely, Deep Space Nine was the beginning of Star Trek playing with those shades of gray. Oh, where yeah. you started having. Wasn't that the one that had the Section 39 or whatever? It's uh-huh. essentially the, the Federation Secret Service. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. Well, not even that. Like, but but they're they're actually um, like a Tal Shiar of the Federation, where they do like oh, off yeah, the books, yeah. wet works, black ops, and then you've got yeah, there were the Federation became a little bit darker. Um, but that's what war does to an institution, and I think that's maybe that's what the the sad tale is: is that Trek has been so action packed because there's been so much war and conflict that the Federation has started betraying its own ideals because that's what happens when institutions are on an eternal war fitting. Um, yeah, I feel like it has less to do with the story they're trying to tell in universe and more to do with how television works now. Yeah, no, I, I'm trying to make it yeah. work out, but yeah. Uh, Wayne V says during episode three of Picard, you were wondering how the Borg Queen is able to assimilate Jurati with no nanoprobes in Voyager season three, pre seven of nine. Really? I thought she showed up at the end of season two. Maybe it's the end of season. God, I must have watched hmm. more Voyager than I thought. <laughs> uh, the Voyager season three, pre seven of nine episode Unity is the first Borg episode of the series. A severely injured Chakotay is stranded on a planet with a community of Alpha Quadrant aliens who are all former Borg, similar to the character of Hugh from the Next Generation. We all know Hugh. Mm-hmm. Met Hugh. He was the uh, facility administrator last season of the Borg, uh, the the Borg Reclamation Project. 
Um, they were originally assimilated during the events of Best of Both Worlds in the Battle of Wolf 359. For some reason, their cube broke down in the Delta Quadrant. Anyway, they offered to heal Chakotay by using their neural energy regenerative properties of a temporary hive mind. Holy shit, Voyager. <laughs> right. Reluctantly, Chakotay agrees to be connected to their collective by a neural link similar to this week's Picard episode. After Chakotay is healed, he is physically disconnected from the collective, but continues to experience a latent awareness of the collective that the doctor describes as telepathic. Towards the end of the episode, the former Borg are actually able to take control of Chakotay, basically using the equivalent of Borg Wi-Fi to force him to help him against <laughs> their will, what? all without nanoprobes. And he, well, it seems- he got to 100% though, right? Or did he only I, get to 99? I suppose, but it was it was a fake collective. It wasn't a real uh, collective. Okay. So it's like it's like uh, what what is the uh, narc narc narcanon? What is the thing that's like? Oh yeah, narc, but not can narc. But but don't don't they give like yeah. um, heroin? Like that it's, it's something else. It's not heroin. But uh-huh. It's less addict to wean them off of it. Yeah. Um, anyway, well, it seems like somewhat of a retcon. It does have a precedent in Trek history. Well, there you go. It happened in Voyager, so it's 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 okay, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to argue that I have a more encyclopedic knowledge of a show I haven't watched than the creators do. So, on the other hand, sure. Neelix happened in Voyager. Do we want more Neelix, or was that Fuck a mistake? No. Is on the other hand, this should never Chakotay be mentioned again. and Tom Paris happened in Voyager. Do we want more of them? No. Honestly, let's just keep Belana Troy and just throw everything else. Or Belana, not Torres, Belana. Yeah. Oh, What was her? Torres. Let's keep her and just get rid of everything else in Voyager. No, keep that was Kate Mulgrew, day. too. I like Kate Mulgrew. I actually you like Janeway. Like yeah. Janeway? Oh, yeah. Janeway was an interesting captain. Uh-huh. Sometimes she wiped her ass with the Prime Directive. Sometimes she would <laughs> force her crew to endure 40 more years of the Delta Quadrant because of the Prime Directive. Yeah. And... It was like what side of the fucking replicated bed she woke up on making that decision. Yep. Anyway, Jim got another Jim from Grand Rapids. You guys always do a great job. Well, thank you. I agree with you that these new iterations of Star Trek have a very different vibe or feel. It's much more complex with overlapping storylines showing the flaws of the characters rather than making them icons. Is is that it's the complexity and this overlapping storylines? It's. I mean, it's it not simple some, A B stuff. I. I agree. That's um, true. It's not story yeah. A, story B, and if you got time, story C. Yeah, yeah. It does take some getting used to, but I finally stopped comparing Picard and Discovery to TNG, Voyager, and Deep Space Nine. They're different times with different approaches to writing, which is fair enough. The Confederation has some mirror universe aspects, aka the Terran Empire. I wonder if the writers deliberately avoided getting into this alternate timeline to avoid being accused of recycling storylines. Your thoughts on this? I'm honestly not sure why this isn't just a Terran empire. Um, hmm. Except for maybe yeah. they wanted a more, they didn't want to get into the kinky BDSM aesthetic of the mirror universe. Mm-hmm. Cause that's but, like, you know, go like if, hot, hot mirror universe goes back to the old series. You can't do a mirror universe yeah. without people slinking around in sleeveless uniforms <laughs> and midriff bearing leather things. And, but if you're trying to attract spite, eyeballs with a bunch of action episodes, sex sells they found that out in voyager right i would like to see madam dominatrix version of seven of nine who's the queen of the terran empire yeah mm-hmm. i kind of uh-huh mm-hmm. yeah yeah i would like to see <laughs> i would like to see that uh i'd like sure. to see rios in some kind like of like i said uh, sexy troy pirate outfit hell yeah 
sexy evil Troy. Yeah, let's do it. I, but I'm not sure why, because that's, that's clearly what they're trying to go for. But they're not. But maybe it's because like the mirror universe is its own thing. Yeah. And this like a, like it's different from an alternate timeline that got corrupt. Like the mirror universe always is versus this is like a particularly. E- I, I don't know. But yeah, I, it does I kinda, come with baggage, right? Like a lot of those characters would be recognize these people if they showed up in the mirror sure. universe where yep. Yep. this alternate timeline gives you a blank slate. It does give him a little bit more carte blanche to just fuck with things. Mm-hmm. Um so let's move on to Colin from Hamburg. You touched on it the last episode, and I hope it's not dry pie, but geez, I just want to know what direction is being given to Michelle Hurd. This is Rafi. Uh, everyone in the cast is at cruising energy of like, I don't know, seven. Allison Pills rocking in at nine, but Rafi is played consistently at 11. I feel like it'd be completely within everyone's character to look at her and just say, hey, could you just take it a down a notch? It's maybe why Girardi doesn't bother you as much as Aaron, since I can barely see her behind the supernova of emotions that is Rafi. Um, it's such a whiplash because she was that kind of character last season, but she was struggling with alcohol and a drug addiction and complicated feelings of abandonment by her son. And discri- the the fact that she got this, you know, got, got drug into disgrace by her association with the JL and the whole J. But like this season, I felt like she had healed from that and Elnor dies and she's right back in it. But yeah, I don't know. I feel like everybody Rafi. Okay. Everybody is cruising at the speed that Picard orders when he gets an emergency distress signal from a ship to two systems over just, yeah. a, a, just warp two. let's get there. Let's get there. Eventually there's not a big deal here. Warp four, maybe Rafi's where the Enterprise cruises when Riker gets a hold of the controls. It's fucking warp nine. Let's get there immediately. Fuck it. Right we got alert, this ship that can do warp nine. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I yeah. I feel like she could tone it down just a little bit. I like my Star Trek character a little bit more stoic, a little bit more mentally healthy, a little bit more like you know have the yeah. resources of a ship's counselor they can talk to whenever they need to. But um, that's not new track. John from California says, I'm enjoying this new season of Picard. It seems more like the Star Trek of old compared to Discovery. Probably because I've spaced on previously known characters in the next generation. However, I'm bothered by one plot element, the death of Jean-Luc Picard at the end of last season. Why? Why did they kill him off, only replace him with a robot containing his memories and program to think it's Jean-Luc Picard? Hmm. So you can guess I'm not a big fan of the whole transfer of consciousness brain uploading trope. Also, why have the Picard robot Picard both aging and concerned about its mortality? Doesn't it just have to ask Gerardi to flip a switch and poof Picard's now immortal? Heck, why not just upload Picard to the computer of a starship and let him explore the galaxy forever? That's yeah, we, fucking cool. Kind of, kind of talked about this an episode or two ago, right? Where we're not sure if he's a meat robot. We think he's a meat robot and that he's like set. Um, yeah, you know, it's not it, like you can just move a jumper. Right, right. Um, so so maybe they can't do that. I, I think the purpose that it served, literally the only purpose it serves, is to get rid of the Hermotic Syndrome stuff. So now we no longer have a Picard who's worried about his memory loss and his own mental faculties. He's just worried about time and his inevitable death. I do think that your your thought about him uploading to the Enterprise to a starship would, is a fucking cool idea, and it's also a way to keep Patrick Stewart around forever. Because if Patrick Stewart dies in the next five years, perish the thought, but the man's old, he's lived a full life. Mm-hmm. 
you can so digitize a person's speech that I would love to see him be the new major. Like he can, he's continues the character, but now he's the soul of the stargazer. That'd be cool. You know, like he's not like he doesn't, he's Rios is the captain, but you can consult the spirit of Picard that hangs out in the Britain and, and it's it's still his voice and you can write whatever words you want to say. And as long as you made the deal with Patrick Stewart, why he's still alive to, to square it with the estate. I don't know why you couldn't do that. And I think that'd be a cool idea. It would be like that'd be very cool. Um, Major Roddenberry was the voice of the computer for years and years and years and years. And if there's going to be someone take o- taken over that mantle, why not Patrick Stewart? Yeah, for sure. So I think it's a solid idea, John. Um, that's all we got for feedback. If you'd like to uh, fill up our isolinear chipset, it's easy to do. Picard at baldmove.com. Uh, by the way, it turns out we did get another batch of screeners. So we're good at least through episode six. So we will uh, have this episodes out the same time they drop on Paramount Plus uh, for the foreseeable future. We'll see if there's another uh, crisis of uh, 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 the, the screeners later on. But for the next three weeks, we're set. So look forward to seeing you on the same time that the episode drops next week. Uh, our hailing frequencies are open at Picard at baldmove.com. Until then, I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm Jim. See you next week.